I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is James Hibbard. He's Entertainment Weekly Editor-at-Large and author of Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon, Game of Thrones, and the official untold story of the epic series, the -the behind-the-scenes story of the making of Game of Thrones, the most successful television series in modern history. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I want to start off by sharing some details with the listeners. I was blown away at the information I received about Game of Thrones. Um, First, I didn't know there was obviously one backstage obstacle after another, (laughs) but the Emmy Awards was just a record breaker, 132 nominations, 47 wins in total. It was mind blowing. I mean, yeah, the, the entire series was was this mind-blowing accomplishment in terms of just from the very beginning. I mean, George R. R. Martin, the, the author of the books, I mean, he was a former frustrated TV writer who, who was so uh, frustrated by the, the conventions of, of, of television and all the limitations in terms of what you could do in terms of budget and in terms of in terms of content. And so he wrote these books to deliberately be unfilmable. He wrote them to be to take the entirety of his imagination and pour them into this incredible story that you, there's no way you could ever make it. And then the books became successful. And of course, people wanted to make it. And then they had to figure out how to do that. Sure. Now, in, it, this all started in 2008 HBO. They took this huge gamble to produce this unfilmable saga. And then it went on for 11 years. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it, and one of the, the interesting things that, that the book gets into is that they sold it to HBO under this idea that don't worry, this isn't going to be like Lord of the Rings. This is going to be, you know, a very conversational story. It's going to be kind of very intimate. You know, it's much more of a chamber piece and not an orchestra. And they were lying. They, they, were, they were just completely <laughs> lying because, because, because the books, the battles are incredibly huge and massive and they get even bigger the further you go into it. Mm-hmm. And they knew that. And so they basically sold this to HBO knowing that the only way they could get the budget to do the story that they needed to eventually do was to make this show into a huge hit. So it was this incredible high wire act where they had to make it into the biggest show in the world in order to continue making it. And uh, so, and it's, it's, it's just an incredible accomplishment. uh, You know, you know, no matter, you know, what you think of the end result. Amazing. I mean, it, it went, you know, lasted eight seasons, aired 200, aired in 207 countries and territories. It got an enormous amount of media coverage. What was it like when you visited these top secret show sets each season? Yeah, it's funny because I, as a, as a reporter for Entertainment Weekly, I visit a lot of TV show sets. I visit a lot of movie sets. I had never seen anything like this, both, I mean, just starting with the sets and in terms of how immersive it was, it wasn't like going to the set of say like a Marvel movie where it's like a couple of people in costume and a big green screen behind them. You know, they, they, you know, everything was very immersive and realistic and they were shooting in these extreme weather environments. And, and that's one thing that I think is a little bit underappreciated about Thrones because people have this impression of actors on sets being very, you know, comforting, you know, living these comforting, comfortable, lives and going to their trailers and this was like an extreme endurance athletic event plus having to do creatively all the things that you need to do to make a show at the same time now where was the set where where would you go and visit 
Well, the hub of the production was in uh, Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, but they also did filming in Iceland and in Croatia and in Spain. You got to go to these places? Uh, I got to go to, I didn't go to, go to Iceland, which, which is a bummer, but, uh, but I did get to go to, to the other countries, yes. That's amazing. I mean, what a job to have. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, I mean, if you're going to cover one you know, TV or movie in, in the 21st century, I really think that this was the, the one to cover. And, and, and it just resulted in, in such a fascinating story because you have, uh, you had, they had, you know, hurdle after hurdle after obstacle after obstacle to, to try and get this done. And so, you know, I, I was really excited to do this book because there's, there's so much to tell in terms of trying to pull this off and also plenty of controversies along the way. Sure. Without giving too much away, what would you like listeners to know about the book? Well, I mean, I, I, th- I think that, um, you know, there, there are a million opinions out there about Game of Thrones and about, you know, certain decisions that were made and about the final season. And I just feel like, you know, whether you sort of loved the end result or whether you hated the end result, what's undeniable is that the story of making the show and, and the final season in particular is, is fascinating. You just, you know, I spend like uh, six chapters touching on the final season. There's, you know, learning why certain fateful decisions were made and seeing what the cast and crew went through to pull it off. Um, and the reactions to getting the reactions that it did, you know, it's, it, it's, it's an extremely dramatic story. And, uh, and that's what really drew me to it, you know, eventually. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, in terms of doing the book, just because, you know, no, no matter what you think of it, you know, this is real drama. Right. What do you think it was about the initial showing of this that hooked people right away? Uh, no one had ever seen anything like it before. I mean, we had seen plenty of fantasy things, but fantasy was was considered something that you had to do for a family friendly audience because fan, fantasy was considered a very very niche genre. It was considered something. Oh well, certain people like fantasy, but but most people don't. And on top of that, it was an adult story, and that would seem to limit the audience even more. So that was one reason it was so hard to sell because no one thought that there was any audience for adult fantasy. Sure. And so, uh, you know, I, I think the combination of these familiar things that that uh, that fantasy fans like, and castles, and and dragons, and and. and and princes and sword fights, but then you add George R. R. Martin's love and fascination with European medieval history and the true brutalities of that world, and and his uh, crafting of the all these shades of gray characters, and you ended up with, with the, this combination of great writing and, and acting and drama and a story, you know, in into a genre that we had never really seen before. Did you always? have it in mind that you wanted to write a book like this? No, no. I, when the show was ending, I, the last thing I wanted to do was really? write about Game of Thrones again. Oh. I was, I was at the point where I was, I would tell friends, I just, I just can't type the title of that show again yeah. because I, I had written hundreds of stories about for EW. So I was like completely ready to move on. And then an agent approached me about doing this and it just started turning in my mind. I was like, Oh, you know, I never wrote about this. I never wrote about that. And I, and all the stories I did for EW, were these piecemeal stories about a specific scene or a specific performance in a season or, or a preview of something or a recap of something. Yes. Nothing ever told the story from beginning to end. And also after the show ended, it was an opportunity to go back. And there were a lot of sensitive things that people involved in the show didn't really want to talk about while the show was being made, sure. but they were open to talking about once it ended. 
You know what? I also want to ask you, James, because you're currently editor at large at Entertainment Weekly and you're previously with The Hollywood Reporter. Did you find, you know, as a reporter, you want to be objective, but this, don't, didn't you find like you were so submersed in this? I mean, in, in this case, you know, being really immersed in, in, in this world was an advantage because you're able to, to tell, uh, you know, give insight into the production process that 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 you, know, you don't normally get. Yes. And, you know, and in terms of the access, I, I think one thing, I mean, I basically had two advantages and one was EW uh, was was one of the few publications out there that was really willing to invest in sending reporters to movie and TV sets around the world. Which is amazing. And, but, yeah, and, and and I think is the way it should be done. Right. And but but two, um, a lot of people who report on Game of Thrones were really interested in spoilers, and that was the one thing the producers hated more than anything was having spoilers out there. Personally, as a TV viewer and as a movie fan, I don't like spoilers. I don't like to right. know what's going to happen before it happens. But I am really interested in the creative process. So I so I think that was one reason why I kept getting invited back and was able to get the access I did is because I would learn things that were coming up and and I wouldn't spoil them because I didn't want fans to be that to be ruined for fans. But after things aired, then I wanted to talk about everything. Right. So. Exactly. And how did you feel when the show ended? I mean, uh, you know, it's the ending of, of you know, probably the biggest you know, television show Epic. of the 21st century. Right. Some people wonder if it's like the final water cooler show uh, that, that we're ever going to have. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, of sadness in that. There, there's a whole community that built up around watching the show. You know, George R. R. Martin always said that the ending of his books is bittersweet and the and the ending of the show certainly aimed for that too. And I think that was probably the feeling of a lot of people who uh, watched it as well. Yeah. You, your friends must be so envious of you to have the job you have. Um, you know, um, I, I, I do hear that, that, that people say, Oh, you're, you're, you're so lucky you get to do that. And, and uh, you know, I was, I mean, it, it was very fortunate to get to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, just because of the nature of, of how I am in terms of my job, it's like right. most of the time I'm there, I'm so focused and stressed out about, I have to get that interview. I have to figure out the right question. I have to get the color. Mm-hmm. I have to, in the week that I'm on the set, I want to get enough information for dozens of dozens of stories that I'm going to roll out you know, online at EW.com afterward. So a lot of it was super stressful. And I kind of look back and go, you know, you should have like enjoyed it more and not just stressed (laughs) out about your job as much. And so that that is one thing I wish I did differently. So here's a question unrelated to the book. What are you doing right now to take care of yourself? Because we all are going through enormous amounts of stress, especially someone in your position. You know, I've started uh, working on a very rudimentary home gym, <laughs> you know, and and I find that uh, doing that every day and going for a walk every day uh, yes. for you know, it, I mean, it, to me, it's just so important. You know, our bodies are are are, are made for for walking and motion, and to, just to get out of of the bubble of the internet and, and work and the same walls that you look at every day and get out there in nature and to move around, I think is just absolutely uh, essential really. Yeah. I do it every morning. I usually try to try and schedule my exercise like after I'm done with work because my, my brain starts spinning from work and I kind of need to try and, and create some separation there before the night. So to right. try and try and shift. So, so I, I find it very helpful to, to do That's that after cool. work. 
Do you find that you sometimes just improvise your interviews because you're, you know, you don't have much time to prep? You know, there are things that I improvise during an interview, but I am one of those people, you know, it's funny because I, I don't know if you've ever seen like Joe Rogan's podcast where, oh, yeah. where, where, where he, he, he'll interview for somebody for three hours and he has no notes in front of him at all. And, and to me, that's almost like a superpower because I don't understand how anybody would do that, <laughs> you know, because to <laughs> me, I like to be hyper prepared. I like to have as many questions and possible and more than I need. I remember once I was doing uh, moderating my first uh, Comic-Con panel. I think it was for the show like Ghost Hunters or something. And I was up there on stage and I ran out of questions. I just remember the cold sweat terror of of realizing that I didn't have enough questions in front of an audience. (laughs) So so, so ever since then, I I tended to try and write more questions than I need. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. So where can people find out more about you, James? Well, um, I think you follow me on Twitter at, at James Hibbard. You know, the book uh, came out on uh, Tuesday and as uh, available everywhere books are books. And uh, other than that, I'm also going to be posting some outtakes from the book on EW.com over the next uh, couple months because there, there are some things that just for one, one reason or another just didn't quite work uh, for the yes. book. So, but we're still interesting. So I look forward to rolling this out. Exciting. Well, when I post this, I will tag you and EW and yeah, I'll let you know when this is up. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, retweet it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, be well. Anything else you wanted to add to our segment before we wrap? No, no. I thought your questions were, were terrific. And, uh, and thanks so Thank much for, for taking the time to talk to me. about My pleasure. Uh, about Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Be well. 